0: Welcome to the Church podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Let's jump into the Word of God today. The book of Philippians, chapter 1 and verse 6. This is probably not an uncommon passage to you. You're probably familiar with this passage today. Philippians 1 and 6. Says, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ, I believe, in the context of this scripture, is referring to the day where we all get to meet him face to face. The day where he truly reigns as King of kings and Lord of Lords, when we see him again and the skies open and we get to meet him. And the church is captured away. So you can be confident today that what God started in you, he will continue it until he comes back to get you. Amen? Amen. You can be seated this morning. We're just going to talk a little bit this morning. If you'll bear with us today, it may be more teaching, preaching, treaching today. The evolving nature of a disciple. The evolving nature of a disciple. We'll look today at the, maybe a character study. Uh, an individual in scripture who stands out to us. We've all heard of him and we've all heard sermons preached about him and different aspects of his life. But maybe today we can, through teaching a little bit here, we can just walk through his life and his experience with Christ. Then we'll bring it back around home to us at the end. How many's gonna stay with me? All right, how many's just gonna fall asleep and pass out and not be here? Nobody raised their hand. Awesome, everybody's gonna be here today. There's this story in the Bible where Jesus decides it's time for his ministry to be launched, and so he goes out and he walks by the seashore, and he finds a man by the name of Peter and his brother Andrew, and he calls them from the ship, from fishing. And those aren't the two we're going to talk about today. But Jesus walks down the dock just a little bit further. And he sees two more. The sons of Zebedee. What an awesome name, Zebedee. And he calls out to the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And says, hey, come and follow me. And they, like Peter and Andrew... Left the fishing nets which they were mending with their father and began to follow Jesus. Sometimes my mind goes in in crazy places, and I try to put myself in the in the situation and on the on the dock or on the the seashore there next to them and with them. And if I was an observer of what was, was going on as it happened, what was Zebedee's response? You know, guys, i got a fish in the morning. We're not fixing these nets to hang them in a museum. (laughs) But he calls us to follow him. He calls us to follow him. If I could challenge you today, maybe oftentimes we hear the call of God and there is inside of us an, an urgency and an immediate response that says, Yes, I will follow him. And before we fully step out of the boat and and are committed to walking down the dusty road following Jesus Christ, we've already begun to think about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and next week and what's going to happen when I get home and people hear about this. And I don't even know if I can really follow through on this commitment, but and then all these situations and scenarios start working in our mind and in our heart and, and maybe it's like Zebony calling back to his voice, Hey now boys, remember tomorrow we're fishing. Enjoy the evening with the, with the teacher. Enjoy the evening with the master. But the fish will be waiting. Right here in this boat, I'll be waiting. John and his brother James were given the names by Christ as they began to follow him. They were given the moniker, the sons of thunder. I've dug into that a little bit. I don't don't have a definitive answer. I don't know if it's because their father was loud and boisterous and maybe he had something to say when they were walking off the boat. Or is it just the zeal of of the two boys and, and they had to get it from somewhere. They were... The sons of thunder. If you met Zebedee, James, and John, you would not have found them to be passive, soft men. They were strong. They were robust. they, They fit the stereotype of manly men. Hard workers. Toiling in the sun. Working from sun up till sun down, even after the sun set, to make sure everything was ready for the next day. And so... From Zebedee and James and John, let's narrow the focus down to the one son, John. Who is John? What was John's life like after that momentous day where Jesus walks by and says, Come and follow me? I think every one of us here today have heard that call from God and have. Experience that call from God and, and, and I think it's a, a safe assumption to make that because you're sitting in the house of God today and we all seek and desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Simply stating, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We've made a commitment in our lives to be more than an observer of Christ, more than an acquaintance of Christ, more than just the casual check-in every now and then, news follower of Christ. He's more than a a pinned news topic in our Google account or our Twitter account, well, our X account. He's somebody of value and importance and of relationship in our lives who we've committed to follow. And it's that foundation I want to build on today in each of our lives. Each of us have already been planted into the family of God and planted into the, the realm of being a disciple of Christ. But how do I go from just being planted to growing into everything He wants me to be? What is the evolving nature of me in Christ? What is the evolving nature of a disciple? John was rough and tough, maybe even gruff. He had grit and grind. He was hardworking. He was a manly man. And he began to follow Jesus Christ. The dusty road didn't bother him. Long days weren't weary to him. It was part of his life cycle. He was known as the brother of James, the younger of the two. But now he had been called out. He was no longer second string. Come on. If your father owns the boat and you're the second in the the line of boys, guess what job you get? All the dirty ones. All the hard ones. You got two bosses. Your dad who's telling you what to do and your brother who's reminding you what dad told you you were supposed to do. But Jesus calls him out of being in a subordinate position. and says, now I want you to come and follow me. I want you to step into a role of influence and to a role that makes a difference. And that's what Christ does to all of us when he calls us to be disciples. He gives us a voice and he calls us to a mission. The Great Commission. He calls us into ministry. Maybe that evolves and grows into standing on a podium, on a platform behind a podium and and preaching to people. Maybe that evolves into standing in stadiums and, and speaking to people. But let me be careful and warn you today. Don't fall in love with the position more than you are in love with the anointer. Fall in love with ministry, don't fall in love with ministering. So John is called out. He's he's put into a place of position, a place of influence, a a place of making difference. Everybody now knows who John is because he's one of those that follow Jesus. And isn't it true in our lives, when we made that commitment to be a follower of Christ, people in our families, their eyebrows may have raised. They may have had comments to say. They may have have smart remarks or quirks that they, they would work in the conversations or into statements oh, you're, you're a father of Jesus, okay. And maybe in their private conversations or, or maybe your family's bold, they say it. We'll see how long that lasts. We'll see if that really has any roots. Oh, it's probably just another passing fad. It's probably another one of those deals you're getting all wrapped up in and you're excited about, but, but wait till a little bit of hard time comes and you'll give up on it. I want to tell you today, we've committed our. Of Christ, there will people be people who see us and know us and take notice of us. The Bible tells us we will be hated for his name's sake. When we tag ourselves to Jesus and we become a follower of Christ, uh, you probably won't win the popularity contest. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he who we follow than all of the voices that stand on the sidelines and and bark at us and, and, and squeal at us. Here's a great perspective. They're just spectators watching us do what God calls us to do. Maybe they're jealous. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're feeling the loneliness. And, and maybe there's something inside of them that's, that's calling out that they too want to become a follower of Christ. But there's an internal war and struggle that's fighting inside of them. Because maybe some of us did as they did before we committed to being a disciple of Jesus. John follows. He's part of the 12. Doing. Learning. Understanding. And growing in his love for Christ. He becomes known as the beloved. John the beloved. It's been said that he's the only apostle, the only disciple, only of the twelve that ever got close enough to hear the heartbeat of Christ. Scripture tells us that he would lay his head upon Jesus's chest. He was so close and so near and and so in tune with what God was doing. What a diametrically opposed picture that is. Of John in a garden sitting with Jesus at his feet, hearing him teach and giving him giving him a, a, an embrace, uh, maybe a longer embrace of appreciation and love and and commitment. From the man who would stand on a boat and bark out orders and pull the ropes and yank on the nets. Christ grows us. Christ matures us. Christ calls us to be ever evolving into who he wants us to be. He goes from John the Beloved to John the Apostle. And from John the Apostle, he becomes John the Revelator. What an incredible evolution we see in the life of John. John could be supposed that he comes from a prominent family. A father who does a trade of necessity providing food for the village and the people in the town. A mother whom Is quite presumptuous and not afraid to voice her opinion. Him and his brother, hard workers, you can see them being a prominent family in town, and it's his mother who boldly brings her two boys to Jesus. Boys, we're going to go see Jesus. I can just see her. She's probably the shortest one in the family. I can see her, five foot whatever, between these two six foot boys, grabbing their hands and dragging them to Jesus. Mom, it's all right if you drag your kids to Jesus. Well, I thought I'd get more amens. It's all right if you grab a hold of your kids and drag them to Jesus. Maybe you can't physically get a hold of them and and physically drag them into the presence of God. But there's nothing wrong with getting in a prayer room and getting the grip of your children's name and not letting go of it in your prayer until you reach the throne of heaven and you pray until you know that their name has been heard in heaven's courtroom. She didn't fully understand all that was going on. But she was bold. She walks up to Jesus. Hey, I want my boys. When you get in your kingdom, I want one to sit on your right hand and I want the other to sit on your left hand. Can we get that commitment right now, Lord? She probably worked the fish market where they brought the fish in. She could cut the deal. Oh, this is the best fish. You won't find another fish like this in the fish market. And Jesus is like, You don't really know what you're asking. You able to drink the cup I drink? You able to take the death that I'm going to take? All will. But then he closes it out and says, "It's not my place to assign the left hand or the right hand. That's that's my Father's business." He's saying there's coming a day where we'll have to drink the cup of baptism. There's a day coming where we'll have to the drink of the cup of becoming a true follower and disciple and commitment into who God calls us to be. But we can't negotiate where we work in the kingdom. We just must evolve and grow into who it is God called us to be. Amen. That's right. Amen. We are all a member of the body. And how, how valuable, that's the word, How valuable is your right arm if all it does is complain and moan and groan because it's not the left leg? Some days I feel my left arm complain. And that's how we are in the body of Christ. We have to accept who God has called us to be and what God has called us to be and to be used in the calling which He's given to us and function and operate under the anointing that He has given to us. The Bible tells us that we should long for or or desire good gifts, high callings. Can I tell you the highest calling you can ever fulfill in your life? The one God called you to. If you try to be somebody else who you're not, and you try to do somebody else's calling, you will be frustrated, you will get dismayed, you will become uncomfortable, and you'll probably quit. Because you're putting the right-handed glove on your left hand. It just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It's not right. Oh, you can twist your fingers around and get it on, but you're not going to be able to do anything with it. And so we must allow God to use us and grow us and mature us into who he wants us to be and to work in the ministry that he's called us to work in. We don't get to choose. Where we fit into the kingdom, we don't get to choose whether we're the right thumb or the left thumb in God's body. We don't get to choose whether we're a kidney or a nose. Lord, I just submit to myself as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Use me for however you want to use me. Lord, we sang that song this morning Show me your glory. Lord, I just want to see your glory. I just want your anointing to come upon me. I just want you to use me for your purpose. However it is you want me to move forward this great commission, however you want to use me to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ, use me. You may be the mouth that speaks the gospel to somebody. You may be the feet that takes somebody who has a mouth to speak the gospel to somebody. You may be the hands or the arms. Lord, just use me however you need to use me. We see John and the actions of his life, we see the evolving work of John. When we very first meet John, he's a fisherman, and his hands are entangled in the nets. Stitching and sewing and mending the broken nets. Next we find John who is communing with Christ. We see John is now giving special care to Jesus. John is then selected as one to care for the mother of Jesus. We see now the relationship between John and Jesus Christ is growing deeper and deeper and deeper. Trust is being built. Purpose is being given. I'd be so bold today as to tell you that John's first ministry was the ministry of helps John's first ministry was the administration of the kingdom don't jump in the story of John from mending nets to the Isle of Revelation there was a whole lot that happened in John's life between mending a net and being on an island and seeing the glory of God It was the process of serving. It was the process of administration. We see John is there at the resurrection of Jesus. He hears the voice of the angel. Why are you looking for the dead? Or the living among the dead? What a powerful revelation. It's John who's who's part of that tandem. John, Peter and John who run back and tell the others he wasn't there. He's gone. He's alive. We see John. He's part of the 12. Numbered among the 120 on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 3. We see John on his way to the temple to pray. Peter and John. Who then... By the act of God, see the man at the gate, beautiful, raised up, and strength miraculously goes into his his, uh, feet and ankle bones, and he's healed. In Acts chapter 4, we see John is the companion with, with Peter as they are questioned for the healing of the man at the gate, beautiful. John's one of the first Christians that took a beating by the religious leaders. John had a commitment down inside of him, and he's evolving every day and every act. Every purpose is coming to pass. He's growing in his relationship with God, he's growing in his ministry with God, he's growing in his boldness for God. It's even John who goes to Samaria in Acts chapter 8 with Peter to take the gospel to these who God called out in his commission to them. Acts 1 and 8, after you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. Become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We see John growing and evolving, becoming deeper, more committed, more used by God. The next time we see Paul is in the book of Galatians. Paul is writing and he's he's talking about some stories and some things that have been going on. And and he says, John, well, he backs up. He says, James, Cephas, and John are pillars in the church. That's something to be said of John. He is now growing in the kingdom. He is now not just one who is a part of the kingdom, but he is now one who is recognized as a pillar in the kingdom. God wants every single one of us in this room to grow to the point where someone can look at you one day and say, that's a pillar that's holding up the church. That's a pillar at Live Spring Church. That's a pillar in the kingdom of God. Later on in John's life, he begins writing. He writes the story of Jesus. He writes to us three letters the persecution of John didn't end in Acts chapter 4 but his manly manliness is that a way to say that his boldness his zeal man it probably was crazy to get Peter and John next to each other they were the last two you wanted to get in a debate about who Jesus was with. You want to talk about two people getting red in the face and steam coming out of their ears? you got Peter who's just 100% zeal, and you've got John who's a manly man, and Peter's going to convince you no matter what, and John's like, if you don't start believing, I'm going to pound on you. Believe the word, and he speaks it with boldness, and he he speaks it forward, and he and he takes, he takes the punishment from the religious leaders. He takes the beatings, he takes the mockings, he takes the imprisonment, yet he refuses to die. Even after they say, we've got to get rid of John, he's too impactful, he's changing the world, he's messing up our religious program. We've got to get rid of him. Turn on the pot of boiling oil and we'll just boil him to death. We can't assume in scripture that God gave him any special graces in the boiling pot. It doesn't tell us he did. We don't know how disfigured and messed up his body was after that experience, yet he continued to believe, yet he continued to serve, yet he continued to give his everything. And even after surviving the pot of boiling water of of oil and surviving all of the imprisonments, he's banished to the island of loneliness, slavery, Put him on the island with the men who work until they die. He thinks he's so strong. He thinks he's so tough. He thinks he's built so so ruggedly. Put him on the island and let him work until his dying days. The Bible tells us that on the Lord's day, John was caught up in the spirit. It's the Lord's day today, and I hope that you've come caught up in the spirit. Of the Lord. I hope you are seeing the evolving nature of a disciple. As we grow in God, it doesn't necessarily mean living for God becomes easier. But the power and the authority and the grace of God is just as strong as any opposition that comes against us. Your families may oppose you. you. Your society may oppose you. Circumstances in life may oppose you. But be strong in the Lord because you're a growing disciple in Jesus Christ. He goes through trouble. John goes through true tribulation. The patina of his character is tried. And he's entrusted by God Almighty to give us a glimpse of glory. He's caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he begins to see visions of things that he doesn't even have the ability to speak of. He doesn't even have the ability to communicate them to us. They're so grand. They're so great. They're so big. And they're so awesome. They're so beyond understanding in his concepts. imagine. His mode of transportation was his feet, a donkey, a horse, or a cart tied to a donkey or a horse. The greatest invention was the wheel. And you're having visions of Nighthawk helicopters and World War II and World War III or whatever it is. And he's he's seeing Two thousand years later, down in his visions, and he's seen even beyond when Christ comes back in his vision. It would be beyond our words to to describe it. But it's not just the trouble and the trial and the tribulation he sees, but he sees one sitting on the throne. May I emphasize? He sees one sitting on the throne. He sees God Almighty, the one and only Elohim. God who said, I must robe myself in flesh and take on blood so that I can die to redeem humanity. He sees Jesus Christ sitting on the throne not shrouded by his humanity, not shrouded by flesh or carnality, but he sees him in all of his glory. He sees God in a way that Moses wasn't even able to see God. And then he's asked to write it and tell us about it. No wonder he said words can't even describe all that I have seen. What is the revelation of Jesus? Let me tell you what John saw. And you'll find the parallel in your life as you are an evolving disciple of Christ. First, you'll see Jesus as a person, then, you'll understand who Jesus is and what his ministry is, and you'll see him as the lamb slain to redeem us. And next, he saw him as God. He saw him in the, the true atmosphere where he lives. He saw him in all of eternity. He saw him as God. He saw him in all of his holiness and all of his glory. Bible says, bright as the shining sun. He sees his concern for his John, who sees him standing at the door knocking. He sees him in all of judgment, tribulation, hell, and judgment. He sees him in all of his wisdom. He sees him as the plan formed before even the foundations of the earth were set. He sees him as the mighty God come to redeem us. John gets the big picture in his vision. Who is John? That he would be privileged to stand in this glorious moment with God. Who is John that he could have such a great moment of revelation? Isn't he just the fisherman? Isn't he just the net mender? Isn't he just the son of Zebedee and the little brother of James? Isn't he just a small kid from a small town fishing in a small sea? Yes, that's where he started. But that's not where he ended. Because God had an evolving plan for his life. You may look at yourself today and you say, I'm just the smallest of the small. I'm just the youngest of the young. My faith is small. My beliefs are small. My hope is small. But start where you are today and let God begin to grow you. Let God begin to evolve you. Yes, you're a new Christian in Christ. Maybe you're a new disciple follower of Christ. But can I tell you today, God's got big plans for you. If you have your Bible, can you hold it up? Inside this Bible holds the story of John, who was a nobody, who became a somebody. And not just a somebody that anybody can become, but he became a somebody that only God can make you into. The same one that walked on the seashore and said, John, follow me, is the same one who moves among us and his calling comes out and his spirit draws at us. And in those moments of your difficulty, in those moments of your brokenness, you hear his voice calling out in your soul and in your spirit. He says unto you, come and follow me And you're here today and you've made the commitment to be a follower of Christ. And I commend you for your commitment to follow Him. I commend you for your faithfulness to follow Him. But don't be satisfied with where you are in Christ today. Because He has bigger plans for your life. He has deeper depths for you. He has higher heights for you. He has greater joy for you. He has more ministry for you. There's a deeper anointing. There's a growing relationship for you in Christ. Don't stop in your process. Keep growing in who He wants you to be. The passage just passed through my mind. I I think it's in Matthew. Maybe Mark. It's in one of the Gospels. Jesus is teaching a parable and He's he's telling the story of the mustard seed and how the mustard seed is planted and it's just the smallest of all seeds and when it's planted, it it grows and and it's, it's just... It's the smallest of all smalls. But it becomes I believe the Bible uses the word a tree, where the birds nest. You may feel like I don't have the ability to support anything right now. I'm just a small little sapling. I've barely got myself pushed down on the leaves of the forest floor. I got a couple limbs sticking out here that are praising and waving in the wind. Blessing Jesus. That's all I got right now. Yes. Yes. You've made it. You've sprouted. You've taken root. You're pushing yourself upward. You're growing in God. You're getting deeper in your relationship with him. Now let the sun shine on you. Now let the rain fall. Yes, there'll be days of storms. Yes, there'll be days of floods. But let the bark begin to grow. Let the next branch begin to sprout. Let the next leaf push itself out. And next year there'll be another ring and another ring and another ring and another ring. And before long you'll look back and you'll say, I can't believe everything God's been doing in my life. I can't believe everything that God has done in my life. I'm going to tell you, I can tell you the ones who become dissatisfied in living for God. They're the ones who become stale and stagnant and quit. They're the ones who become apathetic and comfortable. Apathy kills growth. Apathy is a disease that will invade your life and you just become comfortable with where you are. Apathy kills passion. Apathy kills vision. Apathy destroys purpose. Apathy robs us of passion. But I'm telling you today, don't let the storm stop you. They say that as the tree bends in the wind, it pulls the fibers and they grow back. It's the fibers of that tree and it becomes stronger as the wind blows. I want to tell you, God doesn't take away all of our problems. But he says he'll never leave us and never forsake us. There's some stuff I've gone through in my life that if God hadn't been with me, I don't know how I'd have made it through. But because I had somebody I was following. I had somebody who was already laying out the path in front of me. I had somebody that was shining the light to show me where to walk. I was able to walk with confidence Even though I couldn't see, I was able to walk with surety in my soul, even though my flesh and my humanity didn't know what was going on around me. And you too can grow to that place in Christ. You may fail. No, that's not a true statement. You will have times you fail. Have a good day. No, that's not the end of the message. We all have moments of failure. We have all had moments where we disappointed ourselves and we walk away knowing and feeling that we've disappointed God. But the only person that's quit on us is us. God didn't quit on you. The blood of Jesus Christ didn't dry up because I made a mistake. The power of His Spirit wasn't blown away with the next gust of wind because I failed. No, that's why I serve a God that's bigger than me. That's why I serve a God that's more than the creation of my hands or the figment of my imagination. That's why I serve a God that's bigger than a hobby or a talent or I'm getting off on the tangent. That's why I serve a God that's bigger than who I am. Because when I fall, I need somebody stronger than me to pick me up. When I stumble, I need somebody that has more grace than I do to show up into my life and help me. When I fall down and I make a big mess of things, I need mercy that's bigger than the mercy I've ever experienced before. And the only person that can bring that to you is Jesus Christ. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But don't just be a satisfied disciple. Be an ever-evolving disciple of Jesus Christ. Growing. So when you fall, get back up. If you slumber and sleep in the kingdom, wake up. If you struggle, tighten up. If you feel stagnant, let the power of the Holy Ghost sweep through you again and quicken you back to life. Let him bring new hope and new promise into you. And strive, strive to be transformed in your heart. You can stand with me this morning. Romans tells us, be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I just come to you today to preach a message of hope. If John can do it, you can do it. If God found confidence in a little fisherman on the seashore. And could take him from being a net mender to being no John the revelator. He can take you. And fulfill every purpose he's called into your life. This is why Paul wrote the words that he wrote. And I love the beginning of his words. We started with this verse today. Being confident of this very thing. I want to tell you today. You may have walked in here with questions in your mind. I don't know if I can live for God. You may have walked in here saying, I don't know how long I can hold on. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this struggle or through this trial. I want to tell you today, you can leave with the confidence of this very thing, that what God started in you, He will continue to do it. And He will keep doing it until He calls you home to be with Him. He's never going to stop. He's not going to stop loving you. His grace isn't going to run out on you. His mercy isn't going to run out on you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to disappoint you. You just keep holding on to the nail-scarred hand. And he'll keep leading you. He'll keep preparing you. He'll keep prospering you. If you're here today and you need something from the Lord, I wonder, maybe we just bow our heads and close our eyes today. And if you need something from the Lord... Maybe you'll just lift your hands towards heaven today. Maybe you are faced a new struggle today that you never realized was coming. Maybe this past week was a new battle that you've never faced before. You can leave out of the house of the Lord today confident that His hand is with you. His hand is guiding you. His hand is leading you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you do not have to fear evil. For His rod and His staff will comfort you. He will lead you beside still waters. He will be your hope and your promise today. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.